Hello, Podicumans, and welcome to the Podicesis Podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we're joined by your very best friends in the entire universe, not just world, in the <laughs> universe, Alan Kaysen and Jim Morrow. How are you guys doing? Um, so is it this galaxy or a galaxy far, far, far away? away? Well, galaxies are in the universe. So I'm okay, going to include see, that as I don't well. understand science or anything of that nature. <laughs> but I understand, I do understand science, science fiction. fiction. <laughs> I do understand science fiction. So you lost me there. But I'm glad to be in this universe with you guys uh, uh, together today. Man, yes. that was a great tie-in. You brought it all was. that together, it folks. Was. It's good to be with uh, my brothers here and all of you. Absolutely, absolutely. We're so glad that you were with us. Remember, you can find us at Podakesis on social media, at Twitter, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And uh, just a quick shout-out, a big thank you to uh, Dr. Tim Tennant from Asbury Seminary for being our guest on our last episode, on our special episode with him. Um, go and check that out if you haven't listened to it yet. It was a really awesome time together, talking about catechism and the future of Methodism and all of that. Uh, hey, guys, we've done it. We've we've hit another milestone. We have hit another milestone. We have now Yes, 40- I did. I got 15,000 steps yesterday. Thank you. <laughs> yes, uh- I did. I got Wordle in two the other day. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> is wordle still a thing I, I'm, I'm pretty excited oh, that we're still oh, talking about don't don't oh, you pretend now that it's are... going to the new york times it's just kaput no i still play most i still days, play so. i still play yeah. okay uh, well okay what milestone i'm sorry so, we got we uh, apple on uh, itunes we are up to 46 46 um uh five star ratings and so um wow. we are excited about that which means because we have passed 45, Jim Morrow has got his uh, long-awaited Patrick Stewart story from apparently a trip in Scotland that he took. And I'm just wanting to know if this story is um, it involves Loch, the Loch Ness Monster Nessie at all. Yeah, I think long-awaited might be an overdone adjective. <laughs> I don't know. I've been, I've been, anyway, we're going to save this for the end of the episode. So stay tuned for this story. Uh, right now we are moved. So we, we, we finished the 10 commandments and now we are moving into a section um, of the Westminster shorter catechism. That's uh, talking about what are the consequences basically of not following the, the laws of God and then kind of what the, what work or what needs to be done in order to get us in, back into a right relationship and who can do that, who can do what needs to be done in order to get us back into a right relationship with God. So uh, we've got a few questions uh, from the catechism and we're just going to go ahead and uh, uh, start right there with um, one question that gets fully struck out question and answer that gets fully struck out by John Wesley in this revision. And the question is this, is any man able perfectly to keep the commandments of God. Judge, I'd like to strike that question from the record. Well, it has been strucken or struck stricken. or stricken Strick- or it has been stroke. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, uh, what, what's the answer to that question pre-striking? If you can't, if you can't tell, I'm really bad at Wordle. Um, <laughs> um, well, the answer that um, Wesley strikes through is no mere man since the fall is able in this life perfectly to keep the commandments of God, but does daily break them in thought, word, and deed. Yes, yes. And uh, so he strikes this out, 
um, and more than likely because it ha- it goes against the uh, sanctifying grace principle, right? The 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 idea of perfection, uh, Christian perfection for Wesley. Am I am I reading that right, guys? I, I would think I would think so. And um, so I mean, it sounds right, like because you hear verses like we're going to talk about shortly, like all have fallen short of the glory of God and. Um, the wages of sin is death. And, and you would think that, yeah, it all falls short and we are not, you know, Christ, Christ is the only sinless, perfect person. And we know, look, uh, we're believers, I think, right? Yes. Oh, good. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. I, yes. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Time to be baptized you, you, guys. You, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. But you, you know, as well as I do, like we still struggle with sin. Yeah. Right? All believers do. In fact, Wesley has a sermon called on sin in believers. Yeah. Um, but the idea I think behind this is, um, to say this in uh, such an absolute manner is a hair's breadth away from it's not so much wrong as it doesn't leave open something that we find vital to the faith, which is we go on towards perfection, and especially in the Wesleyan Arminian tradition, as well as many others, that we believe that the power of God is able to make us perfect in love in this life. And um, so what the what this answer does that Wesley I think doesn't seem to want to really lean into is it doesn't allow for the fullness of God's power in the life of the believer. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, it says no mere man in mm-hmm. the catechism's answer, but it doesn't leave open for the fact that Christ can do in us as we fully surrender and seek his right. holiness, um, that there's more to our his ability in us than than this catechism says that's my that's my long-winded take on it i think um i think wesley's just trying to remove confusion i think um i think wesley could strike me out then yeah right (laughs) yes lord strike me down um but i just think he's he's like this statement is true this is in before christ this is absolutely true but in christ and through christ we we can't help but read the scriptures there's there's this call for us to live perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. Right. And there's a whole, we understand, we need to understand what that truly means and looks like. But so I, I just think Wesley's trying to remove confusion. Yeah. And so he's just like, yeah, I've done it before in the catechism. I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah. Bam. I still got some ink in the ink. Well, <laughs> yes. that's right. <laughs> yeah. Might as well. And I, I think that's a, I think that's a good word. And, you know, and sometimes when he sees one of these, uh, these answers, question and answers, he's, he's apt to just change a few words, maybe strike out a word or two, Mm -hmm. but there was something about this. And I probably, it's just kind of the whole issue of confusion, especially since, uh, dealing with sanctification and that kind of stuff has been done. And, um, yeah, so yeah, I think that's right on. Um, all right. So now another, another question that really hasn't been struck out at all. He, uh, or stricken out, I should use correct language here it's not like i use words for a living or speak words for a living so um are all transgressions of the law equally heinous what a question are all transgressions all sins (laughs) of the law that's what the answer is in the catechism of course of course (laughs) Uh, the the divine divines divines were like uh, they played. They played Wordle so long they didn't have any more words. <laughs> oh wow, we're so dating this podcast right I know, now, right? <laughs> Except if Wordle just keeps going on and on and right. on forever. Um, 
The, the answer are all transgressions of the law equally heinous. Some sins in themselves and by reason of several aggravations are more heinous in the sight of God than others. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. And that, that is, that might go against some of our sensibilities, right? Or some it of does. our understandings. We'll come back well, to that. But yeah, yeah, we're going to need to talk about that some. Yeah. And then, uh, and then uh, what does every dessert, what, uh, what does every sin deserve? Every sin deserves God's wrath and curse, both in this life and that which is to come. Wow. Wow. All right. So let's, uh, let's talk about this. Um, we've, we've talked about the, the stricken part of this catechism. Let's move into that, that second question. Um, I was under the impression that in God's eyes, all sins are the same. Um, and, and, you know, for some people that's, you know, that's kind of a, I don't know. That's just kind of a popular notion of sin, right? That in at least it may be different in our eyes, but in God's eyes, all sins are the same. Yet here we seem to have um, we seem to have a notion that they're not. Not even in God's eyes are all sins the same. What do you What do you guys make of that? And maybe we need to look at some of the scripture proofs that um, that go with this. Well, so we can look at we can look at Ezekiel um, real quick. Ezekiel eight twelve through fifteen. Ezekiel's in exile um, in Babylon and um, has a vision of God and God, God sort of transports him to Jerusalem and shows him what's happening and that the people are not only worshiping idols, false gods, but they're doing it in the temple. And so he says, um, um, Ezekiel writes, he said to me, son of man, have you seen what the elders of Israel are doing in the darkness? each at the shrine of his own idol. They say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. Again, he said, you will see them do things that are even more detestable, even more detestable. Then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord, and I saw women sitting there mourning the god Tamaz. Um, He said to me, do you see this, son of man? You will see things that are even more detestable than this. Um, and so this is this is idea that even more detestable, which suggests that there's there's sin, there's wrongdoing, there's sin that is more heinous than what they are already doing. Um, and uh, and so I think, you know, it begs the question. So what what do we do with that? Like uh, a sin's a sin, the sin, the sin. Right. You know, um, and now always how we've always heard. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we say, and we say that a lot partially because we've got a, a bad rap of choosing in our own eyes, which sins are more important than others. And, 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 Amen. you know, the more judgmental moments in our Christian life, we, we really attack in other people for, for sins and some sins and not for others. And so sin is sin is kind of a way to combat that, but this is, this is my take on it. Um, the wages of every sin is the same. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And I think that, I think that that's, that's a scriptural truth. And yeah. I think so, but you cannot tell me that when say, for example, the, uh, I, I say a white lie to my children to get them to leave me alone for a minute is the same as if they're, uh, when somebody abuses a child. So there is anger, which is, you know, can be sinful if taken you know, uh, not dealt with. And then there's the aggression again from Russia against Ukraine, 
mm-hmm. and the bombing of people. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that got maybe a little political. I'm not a geopolitical expert, but let's just say murder, abuse, sexual abuse, uh, all those things that that really, really, really have rippling unjust harm. Mm-hmm. They've got to be more heinous than when my child takes a cookie out of the cookie jar when they weren't supposed to. No, yeah. no, listen, you don't take the last cookie. I'm just telling Who you. Who took the cookie from the cookie <laughs> jar? No, but, but I, I guess my right. big picture, my big picture yeah. is the um, the wages of all sin is the same. Yeah. Wages and, and it's not just your actions that are sin. We've talked about this way early on in the podcast. Sin is a state of being, of our broken being outside of Christ. Right. Right. And then right. out of that, the symptoms are what we do. Right. And so I was, that's one of the things that to make, when we talk about sin is, is we probably, you know, to define it, are we talking about the brokenness of all humanity? That's, you know, the equal brokenness of all humanity because of our, you know, the, the, the original sin and all of that, or are we talking about the symptoms or the, the things that we do because of that brokenness? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that when it, oh, sin breaks things and God doesn't, God is for his creation and for all yeah. that he has made. Yeah. And um, I, if you just think critically for a minute, some things that we do break more things and break them more. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's my take. I, yeah, think I, think that makes I think like, you know, the next question, you know, what does every sin deserve? Every just every sin deserves God's wrath and curse. So every in the, in the, in, in that sense, all sin is the same. Right. Um, yeah. Um, sin against the holy God is no matter what it is, is sin and deserves God's wrath and curse. But yet right. there are, like you just said, there's things that break more and break worse than, than other things. So they're heinous. They're heinous. heinous. It's heinous. a great word. It is. A heinous. Great word. I don't think I've heard that since Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. <laughs> keeping, keeping with our galaxy discussion. I feel like that's something Darth Vader would just say, like this is, or the, the emperor. Yeah. Yes. I'm sorry. I just went in a different. Yeah, I'm you sorry. You really did. You really did. <laughs> Apologize. Oh, this my. conversation is getting heinous. So anyway, <laughs> so apologize. Uh, uh, but even no, you even you look in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, even the the consequences. Yeah. So the the wages of sin is death. That's kind of that, as you were saying, that all sin deserves death, the wrath, curse of God. But even like look at the law, the Old Testament law, the Mosaic law, the consequences of breaking certain laws is different than other laws um, in, in the moment, like in the, the temporal. Um, Dude, yeah. Last ahead. night, I just want to share this. Last night we were, our, we were studying in our Bible study, um, the, the golden calf, Aaron. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, so let me listen. I mean, God just gave them the 10 commandments. <laughs> and, and then Moses goes up on the mountain for 40 days to get the, the plan for how to build the tabernacle and all this. And they can't, you know, they, they get impatient. They don't see Moses anyways. And they build this calf. And I mean, God is ready to start over. <laughs> God is ready. Like talk about curse and wrath. Yeah. God is ready to start over. He's just going to leave in Moses and I'm going to use Moses and I'll build my nation through Moses. And that whole exchange is that whole exchange is crazy because the people themselves, the excuse they make, we, we, we just put the gold in the fire. Yeah. This, this yeah. cow came out. <laughs> we don't know what happened. And then, and then Moses, like a, like a, like a boss. Uh, and I'm sorry, this, I don't know. He's like a boss. He's just like, he melts that gold down. He puts it in the water and he makes them drink it. It's like, 
You want this golden calf to be in your life. You want this false God to be in your life. Well, drink it. Drink it. You know, so, I don't know. Talk. I mean, just talk about God's wrath and curse. I mean, it's, you know, we talk about maybe an Old Testament God versus a New Testament God. It's the same God. But, man, you really you really sort of see it uh, in well, some of the Old Testament okay, writings. Okay, let's go New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira. Right, exactly. And, um, I mean, that is there. Acts 5, is it? Acts 5, where that is? It's somewhere um, in Acts. Yeah, somewhere. Um, that's an that's an incredibly, and while they were doing was stealing stuff and keeping it from, or hoarding and, uh, from the community. And they and lying just, about it. And lying about it. Yeah, and they dropped right. dead um, as a consequence. It's, it's, yeah, anyway. All right, so Alan's alluded to it. The next question, uh, what does every uh, sin deserve? Every sin deserves God's wrath curse, both in this life and that which is to come. Um, we, we've got two passages we're going to, from the catechism, but let's, let's preface this uh, with one that is not in the scripture proof, and that is two passages from Romans, two verses from Romans, uh, 3.23 and 6.23. 3.23, for all have sinned, and fallen short of God's glory, right? So just this grand, and if you read Romans, I love, I love the book of Romans, how uh, Paul is making this argument um, about the, the, the power of sin, the power of the gospel, the power of sin itself. It's uh, Romans 1, 18 and on is just this incredible passage about how humanity got to where we are. Um, um, we were without excuse, but we invented ways of doing evil. I mean, this is this kind of um, laying it out for us. So he really mixes in the idea of um, sin itself and then the um, outpouring or the manifestations of sin um, in our lives through various means. So uh, all of sin falling short of God's glory. Um, and then you get to chapter six after a discussion about Abraham, after uh, the uh, you know chapter five, for uh, God demonstrates His love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You get the chapter, chapter six and verse twenty three. You get that beautiful verse that many many of us know: uh, "For the wages of sin is death." That's the first half of it. The second half we'll get to in a little bit. The first half for the wages, the earnings of sin, is is death. Um, and Paul will bring this up in various other places as well in his letters, and uh, Ephesians and Galatians are, are two that we're going to be looking at next. Yeah, we pick up uh, with Ephesians chapter 5. I'll just read verse 6. Um, it says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes on those who are disobedient. Just the wrath of God comes on those who are disobedient. And so that that right there gives the sense of what sin deserves. Yeah, and you know it brings up a, a I think a a question um, that comes up in kind of popular notions of Christianity. Um, and I, I don't want to get into liberal conservative whatever, but it, it it is there all the time. We know that God is love, so how can God have wrath as well? Do you want me to take a shot, or you want somebody to do it in a less confusing way? Um, let's Jim take a shot and then Alan does Jim, the translation of Jim's I will, thoughts. Um, I'll do just fine. Jim, I know you can do it. I believe in you. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, God is love and love is pure, pure goodness and holiness. That is a part of what God's love is. And so anything that is not, um, of that holiness cannot stand in the presence of God. Um, love will fight for what it is and for what is good. 
And so, for example, you take you go back in Leviticus and the, everybody's favorite book before <laughs> before all those great laws of purification and cleanliness come around. Everybody has to be outside the tent. They can't go into God's presence because for unholy to be in the holy, loving presence of God will simply destroy them. It just it's not possible. Um, and then after Leviticus and all of those beautiful, wonderful laws, um, the next book numbers opens with Moses meeting with God in the tent. And so to be in the presence of God without holiness is to experience the wrath of God just simply by default. Um, mm. And we thankfully receive the ability to be in God's presence, one, by his gracious acts in the Old Testament, fulfilled and made perfect in Christ. Mm. So a loving God and a wrathful God are not opposites. Right. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, at the same time, you have you have a more, uh, and I don't know this is a liberal conservative divide, but maybe a, a popular reformed notion that just God is just pure wrath and you ought to be scared of him at all, at all costs. And he's so angry that he had to kill his son, um, yeah. forgetting that Christ is God um, right. and, and chose to do this. That's so right. we got we to take in the whole scope of scripture and the whole council to yeah. get a sense of God's character did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage um, is a key Praise piece to Jesus. That. Yeah. All right. So, uh, all right, Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, and I'm just going to read uh, this paragraph here for context. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, curse, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them uh, who does them, shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, uh, in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Um, again, Paul likes using Abraham in his various letters as a, as a benchmark, as an archetype, if you will, of, of, um, of faith, of salvation by faith. Um, and so, uh, yeah, here um, he's talking about, Paul is talking about the weakness, if you will, of the Mosaic law itself, um, and that it would end up um, putting, it shows us our weakness and being able to do what needs uh, to be done to save us, that we're not able to do that. So Jesus, as the one who fulfills the law, right, he takes upon himself our sins. He takes upon himself our burdens, our weaknesses, and he takes the wrath, right? He, I know what Jim just said, but he does. There is a sense that he also does that. He also does that. Yes. And he does take the punishment, you know, um, so— but willingly, not because God is so angry that he that's can't control himself and has to murder someone. That, that's exactly right. I mean, that's, that's exactly my take. Right. It could, no, I no, could be off. No, I, so, you know, there there are these things out there called uh, atonement theories, theories of the atonement. And schools of thought like to hang on just one, right? Mm -hmm. I'm of this it's thought. Really, or of this it's really thought. all of them. And really, yes, that's exactly right. The atonement itself, uh, there's a great book, if you're interested in looking a little deeper into this, by a guy named Josh McNall, um, who wrote Long Story Short, 
I don't yep. know if y'all have read that, uh, called cool. the uh, Mosaic of the Atonement. Love and, it. And um, I'll, I'll put a link in the, uh, the show notes. There it is. Yes. Show notes. Um, uh, to that. That, you know, he's linking them together. He, he's saying these are all, in a way, part of the atonement, the, act, the umbrella of the atonement. So, um, um, uh, so yes, he bear, Jesus bore our pains, our sorrows. He bore our sins, and he took, he took the wrath. He took the curse upon himself so that uh, because there was nothing we could do in our own strength to be able to, to escape it. And I like what um, – I like what uh, what's his name uh, Phil Talon. I like what Phil Talon says in Absolute Basics of the Christian Faith when he defines uh, salvation. What salvation is? Uh, he says that salvation is uh, rescue yeah. and reconciliation. Uh, yes, yeah. you know, rescuing us from the curse itself, and then reconciling us to the Father. So right. restoring our relationship. Yeah, yeah restoring our relationship. Uh, yes, that's awesome. Because that's the lesson for my confirmation this week. That's there awesome. That's, that's a good. <laughs> so, um, and that's how he defines salvation, and uh, I think that's beautiful. It's it's holistic. It, guys, it's, we're, we had not we hadn't gotten to Jesus yet. We're supposed to just rest in wrath and curse, though. I mean, well, I <laughs> that's mean, true. I'm giving way too much of a foreshadow here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think people. I think people might be aware. You're not spoiling much. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so let me. Uh, we we've talked about why Wesley. Uh, marked out some, uh, you know, question 82, we've talked about, uh, the, you know, aren't all sins equal in God's eyes and, 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 and all that. Um, is it fair that, um, is it fair to say that, um, God, that there are different, how do I say this? I'm just going to use the word judgment. So different judgments for different sins. Like, shouldn't it be that, every sin is dealt with the same. Well, it is. Right. Ultimately. Yeah. And I think that's how these, these two questions that appear to be inconsistent mm -hmm. remain consistent. Mm. The ultimate, um, the ultimate reality is that the wages of sin are death, eternal death. Yeah. Um, but I think it would be unjust. I think it's good news that one God, this is uh, got upcoming sermons about, about this too. So I'm not going to preach too much here, but uh, I think it's good news that God is against sin. And I think that it's good news that God will hold us to account for sins that are more heinous Yeah, because there's nobody else in the world that will, and there's nobody else in the world that can. Right. And when we recognize, when we, when we are mm. on the other end of sin and it is heinous, it doesn't do us it doesn't have justice for us to say, um, well, sin is sin. So a lie gets a slap on the wrist and, and this is the same because it's not the same. There's an existential reality that, that breaks. Yeah. Um, and it's good news that God holds justice and goodness and fights for it with, by even his own sacrifice, because somebody has to, and only one can. Mm-hmm. So while it, it feels strange, like, oh, well, we talk about sin. Why, why is God so much about punishment? God is not about punishment. God is about good. God is about good, and he fights for good, and that is good news. Well, and I'm, I'm so glad it's God that's doing it, not me, you know, exactly. not you and I, and because we can't, and like you said, and, um, and we are not the ones who define good. It is God who defines good. Because yes. mm -hmm. um, 
you what good what's good to you jim is different than what's good for you brett and what's good for me and person to joe and jane down the street um, star wars is good for all of us but otherwise you're right <laughs> yeah amen amen nah. um, but um so it, so i'm glad i'm glad it's god who is deciding um and god is the one who will deal with those things that are more heinous than others yeah. um and that I think that's a I think that's a a point of pain for some of us because we um we'd like to have a little bit of control and that and that control is often seen itself and through sort of the word judging and and determining that this sin is worse than that sin and uh, when most of it is really just trying to get attention off of our own that's right own sin so well and I think it is also a part poor, I know at least for me it is there's a there's a pain factor to this as well um, because I have loved ones and friends who are not followers of Jesus and have no desire to follow Jesus and are, um, you know, and I'm sitting here thinking about these eternal things, even for them. And it hurts. It really does. It pains my heart. So I'm going to say this and I get that it's not this. I'm being hyperbolic when I say this, but the easy thing, would be to say, well, God is love, and so he saves everyone. Did y'all remember uh, 09, 08, 09? There was a – do y'all remember Rob Bell at all? He was covered yeah. in the master's dust. Yes, covered it. Rob Bell. Well, he wrote a book in 09-ish, I think, 08, 09, called uh, Love Wins. And he was making a case for basically universalism, um, universal salvation of all humanity. Um First of all, the book, I will say this, I did not like the book, not theologically. I, I, had, I, took, I had issues with him theologically, but the book just wasn't well-written at all. The grammar, uh, the, the stricken, the strucken. Yeah, the stricken, was, strucken, yes. whatever. It just wasn't, it was a lot of questions with no attempts to do any type of thinking and answering through. Um, but I do think he was speaking to a popular notion of when you're dealing with that type of pain, when you think about those who are not believers, do you, you can go, you know, those who are not believers, you can either just divorce yourself from it and just not care, or you could, you can care, uh, so much that, um, I don't know, care so much. You can, it could put you into a place where you have bad theology, if that makes sense. Sure. And I, and I think that's where he, he got, and I do think we need to pay attention to the the rich biblical theological tradition of the church um, dealing with these, these things. And I also think it gives us, this is why teaching, preaching missions, uh, taking the gospel out, taking it seriously to be the people of God is so important. Yeah. I think, I think it, it speaks to just a very simple universal question, like what a loving God do this or the other and i think i think it it, that takes it just takes some went to pause and rest in it and i would encourage y'all look we talked we talked a lot about this stuff in the um early episodes of our catechism uh and this podcast um that kind of help bring meat and color to that because it's not a simple thing yeah um and i'd encourage go back and listen to some of those early on about um the condition of humanity and who God is, and you'll get us. You might have some comfort in that. Well, I think that's, that's a great reminder. That's a great reminder for the, the nature of the catechism. It builds upon itself, and so yeah. we, you know, we didn't just 
show up and got get to question 82 83 exactly. 84 right. um and, oh, into this whole topic it is we've we've been we've been building to it so yeah oh that's beautiful alec it, that, that's really strong it starts with god right yeah right that's right yeah, yeah. and our and, purpose and goodness <laughs> yeah yes right that is so from, from so from here it's not about simply you know appeasing uh, a god who is wrathful but um it's about helping us to recognize and learn how to return to goodness through Christ. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, you know what? We're going to wrap up this episode, but before we, we stop, we've got a few minutes here. Jim, <laughs> tell us about the time you met Jean-Luc Picard. Oh, goodness. So I mentioned this way back in an episode, and apparently it's just been sitting on Brett's heart to hear the story. So it became a reward for all of you. Um, it, kept, it kept gaining layers. Yeah, it kept gaining layers. And and just like everything that has hype, it's probably going to be quite disappointing. I, know. But, I, know, but right. in order, I was in a gift shop and I saw Patrick Stewart. And I'll, keep, I'll keep this brief, but in order to add some extra excitement, I'll add the time that I met Kenneth Branagh in there. Ooh. Kenneth Branagh uh, of great English theater fame, and also Professor Lockhart from Harry Potter. Patrick Stewart, Jean-Luc Picard, Professor X, uh, Captain Ahab, many, many other uh, wonderful roles, is a famous and wonderful actor. Um, he is the one who convinced me that when I go bald, I'm just going to shave my head because yep. he, is, he is just a debonair man. I was in London for a study abroad because I have a very useful and profitable degree in theater. <laughs> And um, we had uh, to study theater on the West End in London. It was a great opportunity, and it was paid for by my college program. So I spent six weeks in London studying theater history, and part of that was, you know, you got to go see all the plays. While we were there, Kenneth Branagh was on stage. Matt Perry from Friends was on hey, stage. What? Chandler. Uh, Kenneth Branagh was on stage. So we got tickets to Enrique Ibsen's The Master Builder, which is a Russian play, which is carries all of the joy of all Russian plays. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh starred in the starring role, and we got tickets right in the middle of the theater. And we're enjoying his masterful performance in The Master Builder when all of a sudden the show stops because Patrick Stewart is losing his voice and cannot continue. Oh, no. This is like three scenes in. Oh and goodness. if you don't know much about the voice, if you press forward with it, he would have been out for days. Yeah. Um, so they brought in an understudy who was nowhere near as exciting. God bless him. Thank him for his work. But I, I was ready to leave. So we, we watched the whole show, all three hours of it. And uh, we, we had learned that you can sneak behind the theater. Um, and that's where the actors come out. So my group and I snuck behind the theater. Lo and behold, Patrick Stewart stayed behind. And he was so upset that he had to miss the rest of the show that he spent time with us and uh, signed autographs. The man came up to my chin. Really? As big a presence as Patrick wow. Stewart is, he's a short man. But he was so kind. I have his autograph somewhere in a box. Was he in his, a... like, Xavier X wheelchair? Is that what <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. But he did open the door with his mind. Um, <laughs> no, he's super kind. So now, real quick, Kenneth Branagh was on stage, too. And we got front row seats to this play. I can't remember what the name of the play was. It was really one of those avant-garde plays, and you can tell. I'm going to have to keep – I'm going to have to be very careful how I tell you this. 
Oh, I'm in the front row, me and my friends, dead center front row, very close. Kenneth Branagh's the starring role. Within minutes of the play, he comes right down center. And if you don't know what that means, he's literally at the edge of the stage right in front of you. And I, let me just say it this way. I saw Kenneth Branagh, but I saw all of Kenneth Branagh. Oh, oh, oh. And that's all I have to say about that. And so um, I hope if you guys want to take any five-star reviews back, that's perfectly fine. But those are the stories that Brett has been yearning for for almost two years. That is awesome. That was, oh, that was uh, well worth it. Not to see you squirm how you were going to tell that story. If you could see him right now, he's got so much more he wants to say, and he's just speak about speaking about things that are more heinous. Um... Yeah, my face is just red right now. I shouldn't oh have said gosh. this on anything that will go across the internet, <laughs> especially especially today. Oh. Well, that's my story, Potacumans. I hope that you paid more attention to the beginning of this episode than the last one. <laughs> <laughs> Take away that God is for justice, and justice is Amen. good, and God yeah. is good. That's what I'm going to take away. Amen. All right. Well, uh, our next episode we'll be doing, it will be on repentance and uh, the benefits of repentance. And so, um, you know, we've talked about the curse. We've talked about uh, wrath. So what about repentance? What about turning away from it? And we'll be talking about that. Remember that the Podakistas podcast is part of the Spirit and Truth podcasting network. You can find out more about that at spiritandtruth.life. Um, also want to remind y'all, quickly coming up in a month, the Spirit and Truth Conference, March 17th through the 19th in Dayton, Ohio. Um, I'm going to be there. Uh, Alan be there. will be there. I'm going to be there. Jim's going to be there. And so your Podakistas friends Kenneth will be there. Kenneth Branagh will not be there. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh will not be there. Thank you. By the way, how awesome would that be? <laughs> anyway, so let's move on. So yes. uh, you can find out more about the Spirit and Truth Conference at spiritandtruth.life. Um, hit us up on social media at Podakistas is where you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Leave a five-star rating and a review. Don't take away any of those stars. And once we get to 50, once we get to 50, Alan has got some great, I know, just percolating, just just growing stories of what it meant, what it was like to be a preacher's kid. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm sure we might, that... We might have just started with that one and then moved to yours and then ended with Jim's. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, what kind of trouble he got into um, at the various churches his dad was serving when he was growing up. Um, and which will, which is funny because Alan, Alan, like both me and uh, Jim, is currently serving churches in the South Georgia Annual Conference, and all this can be made of record for if he's ever moving to churches. <laughs> so, um, no pressure. No pressure whatsoever. We are so uh, we're so glad that you were able to join us. We look forward to being with you next time. And until then, we hope you have a great day. Talk to y'all later. Mm-hmm.